Welcome to the Anthem Church Podcast. Our desire is to transform lives through authentic experiences with God and with people. This message is brought to you from Anthem Church in Fairview, Oregon. We pray you are encouraged, inspired, and strengthened through the teaching and preaching of God's Word. This, this morning, I... I the, when Pastor Pat was talking to me about speaking on This Is Us, I actually had never watched a series or any. So I'm going, I've heard of it, I think. But uh, so I went on, I did some catching up. I watched a few of the episodes. And uh, I really see, though, why people are drawn to it. You know, it's about real life issues. You have the Pearson family that's facing real life issues. And there are uh, issues that we face today. And they are trying so hard to find answers. And there's a lot of emotion. I mean, I don't know if you've all seen it, but there's a lot of emotion involved in how they attempt to find answers. And the common theme through it all was relationships really do impact our lives. More than anything else, more than money, more than possessions, relationships. In fact, people don't like to be alone, generally speaking. In fact, animals, they've studied, they're, they're alone. They end up being isolated. They actually become sick. They, they don't want to have a reason to exist any longer. So... People don't like to be alone. Relationships really shape our lives, both good and bad. And this is very important because the one ingredient that I didn't see in all the episodes was a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, some shows, they'll put in a, now take this right, they'll put in a token Christian or a token pastor into some of these, and, and it looks like they get shot down or they get abused. But there's none of these that I've seen in here. But the one thing in relationships that we are, and this is the difference for us in the world, is that that one relationship is missing, we have. We have the cure to cancer. Pastor asked that I share, some of you don't know, I am a uh, cancer survivor. Um, I had sarcoma cancer, and uh, sarcoma, about 3% of the people that get cancer get sarcoma. So it's, you know, it's really even a real small percentage. And, I'm always the lucky one that gets struck with a small percentage. But, you know, when I found out I had, it changed everything. It, it changed how I looked at relationships. It looked at what was important in my life. It slowed me down, began to have me focus on what really mattered, my relationship with God. I wasn't as open to the things that were not of value in my life anymore. And uh, when they did surgery, they actually removed a 9-inch by 11-inch tumor out of my hamstring had to have it completely removed, cut it from the knee up to the hip, and took the whole hamstring out. But what I realized in all that is that through this whole process, I trusted God. Debbie and I would talk, and we would pray together, and I'd say, honey, I know the days that I have, and I know they're numbered. God knows exactly what that number is. The enemy can't rob me from one of those days. And I'm going to live for my fullest until every one of those days are used up, and I glorify God in how I live. It takes away the fear inside. Well, the Pearsons are going through things and they don't have actually an end game or a resolve that tells them no matter what my father thinks of me or what I've said to my wife or how I lied to her. In one of the episodes, it's he's, this person's, uh, it's the, uh, I can't remember his name, but he wants to become a politician and he'd made a promise to her that if I actually get so deep into this and you don't agree with me, I'll get out of politics. Well, he's about ready to get in a position where it looks like he's going to win and get the candidacy. And she says, I'm not in this anymore. And he goes, well, honey, I'm too close now. Relationships matter. Promises matter. And God has made a promise to us 
that he will be with us to the very end of the age as we press through. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word and that it is life and bread to us. Lord, I pray that we open up your word this morning, that you open up our hearts and our minds and apply it into our hands and our feet, Lord, as we make your word applicable in our life. We love you and trust you. Holy Spirit, lead us now. In Jesus' name, amen. The world is broken and it's looking for answers. What a place for us to be. You go into a broken world that's looking everywhere for answers, and we're the ones. We, Like I said, we have the cure for cancer. It would just be a shame if we kept it inside. Oh, no, I'm not telling you the cure. No, uh, sorry, I'm going to be too embarrassed. You might reject me. Sometimes you have to risk it. Sometimes it's really important to say, Lord, it's not about me. It is really about you. So I'm excited the church has the answer. God has proven the importance to me of being the church in the world. Like Pastor Brad said, about half of my life, and you can probably do the math on this. 16 years of my life were as a businessman, and 16 years of my life were in full-time ministry. Makes me pretty old. But what I've come to realize in this whole process that both are very important. It's important to be in this place. It's important to worship God. It's important to know the value of being family and being together and getting edified, strengthened, built up in the Word of God. But it's also really important that we're the church in the world. And sometimes I think... I think the enemy would just love it if it just stayed in this building. If we come all excited and we worship God and we get uplifted and encouraged and we celebrate, we get taught and fed, encouraged, we have everything we need, and the while we go through those doors, it doesn't integrate into our families, into our homes, into our neighborhoods, into our jobs. I think the enemy would just let us have that one. Go ahead. You're all, all saved. I'm not reaching you anyway. So, you know, but he doesn't want us for us to go out and make a difference in the world around us. God's word tells us something very, very different. I want us to start this morning by looking at two portions of scriptures that have been given the title, Great. First is the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. There's a little history here because this is Jesus saying this. So this is actually Jesus in the world. And he's responding back to a group of Pharisees. Actually, the Sadducees came first. And they were trying to trap him and trick him. They couldn't do that. So behind them come the Pharisees and a lawyer. Now you're really in trouble. They show up with a lawyer. Jesus, we have a question for you. And they, they had pre-thought this through. Which is the greatest commandment? And what Jesus does, he goes back and he quotes their Torah. He quotes parts of the book of the law. So they're sort of turning the tables on the people that are pharisaical, turning the tables on them and, and speaking the truth. He's Jesus in the world. And then we have the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, Matthew 28. All right here, Jesus is about to return to heaven. We have to sort of look at it from the disciples' perspective. Okay, they were waiting for the Messiah. He's born. He's went through as being a child. He gets to be about 30 years old, steps on the scene. He's a game changer. They're the ones that are really hoping he'd set up his kingdom here on earth and overthrow the Roman rule and the Pharisaical religious realm. 
Instead, he says, no, my, my kingdom isn't of this world. Surprise. So then he dies. Now they're overwhelmed with they lost who they thought was going to be their savior. But then he rises again. And now he says, well, I'm leaving you. If you're a disciple, wouldn't that be a little confusing? You're, you're here, you're gone, you're back, and now you're leaving again. But he tells them something really important, and we all need to listen. He says, if I don't go to the Father, he won't send the Holy Spirit. But when he does, he's going to do you with power from on high, and you will change the world. You will do greater things than I have done. And that's pretty amazing for us to think about. But it's not because of who you and I are. It's of who God is in me. You will have the power of the Holy Spirit on you and in you. In fact, some of the statements we might hear from some of the Old Testament, when you finally get to heaven, they might come up to you and I say, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit in you all the time? Because we know in the Old Testament, it was only upon them for a time or a moment. But we're different because when Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven, he says the Holy Spirit came upon us. And it's so that we could be the church in the world. It really empowers us to make a difference. The Great Commission gave us instructions. Go and make disciples, baptize and teach. And he promised to send them the Holy Spirit. This is us in the world. So this wasn't written, this is actually written to the followers that were there, Jesus' followers. It's not written to your pastors. It's not written, it's written not to a group of people that are being select. Each one of us are to go. It's not about, okay, come into the church and we'll meet you here. It's a good thing to be here. It's important. We need to be a part of the body of Christ. But we're to go into all the world and that we're to teach and encourage and lift up and exhort. Those are all part of what we were supposed to do. So that is us in the world. I have a quote by an unknown author that I want to put up on the screen at this time. And this is sort of a combo of both the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. All of Christianity comes down to how we love God and how everything we do in our relationships, our work, entertainment, and education displays our love for God. No success, status, or possession will matter at the end of our days. How we loved God and loved others will be our victory. That's taking the two of those and putting them together and saying, Lord, I, I put in what the priorities are in my life. There's nothing. There's nothing that you can take with you that's going to matter in the end. You know, when I faced a situation with cancer, I realized all these earthly things that you strive sometimes so hard for aren't going to matter. In fact, the things when my father passed away, the thing that mattered the most to me were the words I heard him say, the last words I heard him say was, son, I love you. Well, I want to hear that from God. Son, I love you. Enter into the joy of my rest. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we all want to hear. And so as we look at this, I want to go into this verse in Philippians chapter 2. Paul tells us what it's going to look like when it's really vivid in our life. We take a look at an unknown author said. We look at both Great Commission and the Great Commandment. And here's what Paul says in Philippians. You've got to remember, Paul has been through a lot. Of all people, Paul should feel overwhelmed, guilty for the things that happened in his life. He pursued, tracked down, had Christians killed. And he can be overwhelmed with that own, remember that in his own life. But here's what he says in Philippians chapter 2. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation 
among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Every single one of us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and leaning on him, not trying to do it ourselves. I've had times in my life, I've tried to do things on myself, and I have fell horribly. But when I really trust God, then there are no excuses. Have a have a one of my employees at work. His name is Jim. He's actually the maintenance and the janitor. But such a nice guy. I had so many people say to me when he came to work for us, that, Jim, he's really a nice guy. We all need to be more like Jim. And he, he's, you walk by him, excuse me, he get out of your way. And, oh, can I get that for you? And we have at Cabela's, we allow hunting dogs and other dogs into the building. So it's like, oh, we have a doggy cleanup on one or on archery. Or we have a little bit of solid in hunting. And, and Jim is always like, I'll be right there, you bet. And he's got his little gloves on, he's coming all ready. He's never like, oh, do I have to do this one? He always has a good attitude. And really, I've had over a period of time, multiple people say, have you saw Jim or talked to him? He's always so positive and encouraging. So finally, I should have done this a long time ago. Just the other day, I went to him and said, Jim, can I talk to you for a second? And he goes, yeah. I said, I don't mean to in any way insult you or make you feel uncomfortable, but are you a Christian? And he looks at me and goes, yes, I am. Because my father was a pastor. I said, well, I just want you to know, Jim, people over and over again tell me they want to be like you. They want to have more, better attitude in life. And it's changed their life. And I could see tears starting to well up in his eyes. And he goes, what I do doesn't seem like it makes a difference. And it's good to hear that. Sometimes being a light just isn't into the darkness. It's being a light with another light. Because when the two lights come together, other lights see that light, and they come together, and it becomes a light that fills the place. And, you know, Jim is um, still, he just, every day, he just, and I, I went back to him later and passed by, and he says, Scott, thank you. I really wanted to hear that. I needed to hear that in my life. Jim makes a difference at work, not just with people that know the Lord, but he makes a difference with the people that don't. So let's look at three things that will help us truly be this is us in the world. One, at times we will be countercultural. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> well, I tell you, we live in a dark world. It's full of deception and anger, confusion. All you got to do is watch the news. I used to be pretty wanting to watch the news and you switch from different channels to get different perspectives. And There's so much stuff out there, I don't even want to listen anymore. I mean, people don't like each other just because they don't like each other, not because they only really know the facts anymore. There's so much division that, I mean, there's, there is division on division on division, and they really, it could be 100% wrong, but if they think they say it enough times, it's going to be right. So the other side of that coin with us is this, we need to let the word of God stand and let it make a difference. And sometimes when we just say the word of God once because the Holy Spirit backs it, it just resonates in the room. Because you can walk away and the Holy Spirit continues bring that word into their spirit. I mean, I have a conversation with people, we debate things that, you know, you, you have to be able to apologetically preach the gospel sometimes when I was in Bible school. What it really meant was you have to know the word really well so that you can walk away and the Holy Spirit just continues the sound. You don't have to force it on anyone's throat. Holy Spirit brings it into their heart. And God has put us exactly where he wants us. I believe when we're countercultural, God's word tells us to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light, Romans chapter 13, 22. 
You know, cast off means an effort. You're not just dropping whatever you have or letting it fall off your shoulders. It's casting off. You actually have to make the effort. You can't just wish it's off, hope it's off. You know, okay, maybe tomorrow it'll be gone. You actually have to take the effort to cast it off. And then you have to take the forethought, the intention of putting on the armor of light. And I don't know any piece of armor, I mean, it could be more sophisticated all the time, but armor back then that ever caused light to come out. We're a reflection of the true light, the creator light. When we put our armor on before God, then we become a reflection of who he is. And we, we don't, we're not the one that's trying to impress people to come our direction. We're just reflecting the goodness of God. God has put each one of us right where we are. There's some things that we or you had no choice in. You didn't have a choice of where you were born or what color your skin is or what affluency you grew up in a neighborhood. You don't have any of those choices. I didn't either. But God knew, and you came right where he wanted you to come. Because we, he needs everyone in every walk of life to make a difference in that place. But what now our responsibility is to make the right choice where we are. And that was what we talk about really is Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. See, this isn't about us having a place, a prestigious moment in life. It is really about giving glory to God and seeing him. It's, it's a choice. This means stepping out in faith. And sometimes, I'm sure for all of us, it's hard to step out in faith. And there are moments when it is really a touchy subject or it may cause to lose a relationship. Um, my general manager, Bruce, we have developed a really close relationship over the years. And I honestly don't remember who was the first one to sort of spiritually break the ice. I wish I could say it was me, I, I can't remember. But I do know this, we started talking about the things in our life that we struggle with. We struggle with similar things. Some guys do, pride, ego, not wanting to admit you're wrong, trying to stay in control. And as we began to share with each other, tears began to flow from both of us. And we knew that as long as we tried to deny those things in our life, we were never going to be free from them. And so we began to share those things together. And he'd send me scripture, you know, on my message. I'd send one back. He'd send a picture of something else. It still does it today. And then we see each other at work. Uh, by the way, I'll remind so if we're really in the world to make a difference, I don't have to say it out, but just think about how many hours you spend quality time in your home. And now think about how many hours you spend at work. You know, I gotta drive 205 every single day from Tualatin to Gresham. And uh, that's my challenge. That's where I have to grow up. Whereas God's always challenging me is in traffic. But what I'm, I'm at work 10 to 12 hours a day and then I got an hour drive each day. And so realistically, I spend more time not with my wife, not with my family than I do in the world. So doesn't it make sense that God wants to invest where we spend our time? I'm sure it's the same for a lot of you. Bruce was uh, sharing with me though one day that um, we, we talked about several times and he'd had someone else speak into his life when he lived in Vegas and then they moved, he lives in McMinnville and uh, his wife knew God did, but didn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we began to share, and he goes, it just, Scott, it bothers me. I, I don't want to be unequally yoked. I want her to be with me in eternity. And so he began to share. And he said they had some, I think, and he'll probably listen to this. He says, we, we, we had some uh, heavy-duty quarrels. And he goes, and I was really tired of having them, but I didn't want to give up. I love her. 
And so then after we began to share, he said, he came to a place, he said, though, I, I just, I need to tell you something. There's two things that you can't deny is those are my personal testimony. In fact, Revelation says, how, how was the devil defeated? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so he says, I want to tell you two things. Because she goes, how do I know that I need to believe in Jesus Christ? And it's the only way. Well, he said, there's two things that you can't deny. And they are my, in my personal testimony. Is there was a time in my life I wanted to take my life. And there's a time in my life I wanted to take another person's life. Jesus gave me victory over both. You can't take that away from me. That will forever be who I have become in Christ. And so a short period of time later... Um, they had, they both had, oh, say, Bruce had a dream. And he was in bed and he had woken up and looked and there was a door, the bedroom door was open, a light, bright light, and then there was an image there. And he said he felt like it was Jesus. But Bruce said he couldn't move. He couldn't do anything about it. He wanted to get up and do something, but he couldn't. And he woke up. Well, he's talking to his wife a couple of days later and he says, you know, I just want to tell you about this dream I had. And he started describing the dream. I was in bed, I was looking at and there was a bright light, and she'll stop. She finished the dream. She goes, I've had the same dream. It was a dark image, right? And it was big. It took about the whole doorway. Bright light behind it. Couldn't move. Yep, that's it. A few days later, a neighbor across the street invites them to church. Bruce is talking to me. They go to church. And Shar accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Do you see how many lights came together? A light in Vegas from his friend Brian. A light across the street from a neighbor. The light that we shared together filled the room of Shar's life. And now they're not unequally yoked. And she knows the Lord and they are one in Christ. So that's the message to all of us out here. It is amazing. So then when he's stepping out in faith, there's... Um, Three things, and, and as I look, relationships really do let people in. It's gonna, it'd be scary. It's not easy, but relationships have to let people in. Relationships can cause pain because they do matter. If it didn't matter, it wouldn't hurt. You know, that's, that's why you miss a relationship when you don't have it. And you can't alienate yourself, and you want a relationship so bad, and then it goes bad and it hurts. Relationships can cause pain. But most of all, relationships can change the world. Jesus did. He changed the world. Now we become the world changers. I think one important thing too is we see the life of Jesus and what Bruce did was to be transparent. Let the light of Jesus flow through your life. You've got to be able to be honest with your own struggles, your own pride, your own ego to really help others. Number two, what holds us back from reflecting the light of Jesus? Number one is a confidence in knowing the word. And by the way, Pastor Brad, Eric, I, uh, I so appreciate the Word of God. And when I hear, the, in fact, when, I, when Eric had his message and I, I listened to it, it was amazing. It touched my heart. And the same thing when you talked on not forgetting the Word of God and planting it, I, it really did change my life. I thank you for that. 2 Timothy 2.5 says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and correctly handles the Word of Truth. When we aren't ashamed, I'm not saying it's easy to memorize stuff. Hey, I'll just let you know, I don't have a good memory. If my wife tells me, don't forget your lunch, if it's more than 10 or 12 steps, I'll forget my lunch. 
she asked, I asked her where something is. You just put it over there, and I'm standing looking, and I cannot see it. She walks up and grabs it and gives it to me. Um, numbers that you get when you're trying to download something on your phone, they'll say, well, just here's your code, enter your code. I gotta go back and forth about four times because I can't remember seven numbers. So I don't have a great memory, but the one thing I do have, when the Word of God comes into my life, when a guy comes into my life, I remember. Because the Holy Spirit says, I promise to be with you always to the very end of the age. When there's something about the Word of God, it is not natural. It is supernatural. And I was asking Bruce and I asked someone else, in, you know, why, what's hard for you in, in making a difference? Hold, hold you back. And they both said the same thing. So I just feel like I won't have the answers that people are asking for and I, I won't know enough of the Word. I told them the same thing. Study to show yourself approved. God will never disappoint you. Don't ever buy the lie the enemy is telling you, oh, you can't remember. You can't remember your lunch, so you won't remember the word. Hey, it, is, it is not that way. God is always there. Do your best to present you as God as one approved. Some in life have very hard situations. I mean, some require us to know some of those things. The Holy Spirit will bring it back to you. I had a situation just a few weeks ago. Um, Taylor, who is one of our managers, uh, and, his, and Amy, they were going to have a baby. And we were all really excited for them. We sort of watched the whole process along the way and supported them. And then they took time off together towards the end. And uh, they had a little girl named Paige. And so we were all celebrating Paige. And then after a day, Taylor called back, something's wrong with Paige. And so we said, we'll be praying. And Bruce and I, you got to remember, Bruce is like 6'5". Bruce, I won't say how heavy, I don't know. But he's big, and he's, he's a man's man. Well, we were sitting down together praying. He's crying. I'm crying. We're weeping. We're praying for the family. And uh, we find out about uh, five days later that um, little baby Paige is going to be with the Lord. Now, the thing with Taylor is we'd had prior conversations. I had lit my light with him, and we'd had conversations, and he said, you know what? Right now, I'm just not, the Christian thing isn't for me. I've really been burnt and I've had people really shove Christianity down my throat. And I didn't know the whole background, and more now, I didn't know the whole background then. And so we began to pray, and I told Bruce the same thing, and Debbie and I were praying together, and the thing we prayed is, one, he wouldn't become more bitter at God because he lost Paige. Two, that somehow it would draw them back together. The Word of God says that what the enemy meant to destroy you or hurt you with, God will turn it around for your good for those who know and love the Lord. So, Lord, honor your word, turn this around, and draw Amy and Taylor closer to you. And the third thing we prayed is, and this was one I really didn't understand, I don't know why, is we prayed that Paige would make a difference in his life. And so I went to work, and I was the first one that talked to him. I didn't realize I was the first one at the time. Walked up hoping maybe someone else had broken the ice, because you know there's going to be tears. And it's hard, like we said here, it's hard. If you know the word and have confidence of God working in you, it makes it easier. I went to Taylor, and our cubicles are sort of side by side, and I said, Taylor, how's it going? Sort of a loaded question. You know what you're going to get. And he looked at me and he just started crying, just tears. And it's hard. You don't know what to say. And I said, Taylor, before you say anything, I just want to tell you how we've been praying. And I told him, we've been praying because you're past that you wouldn't grow bitter to God. Two, that somehow would draw you and Amy closer to God. And three, and I told him, Taylor, I don't know why, that Paige would change your life. He ended up telling me, he started crying, he goes, I don't even understand. He goes, 
after I had, after Paige passed away and he held her in his arms and he said, as she was passing away, she had her hand around my little finger. He kept squeezing my, my finger and she, she passed away. He said, I went out these double doors and I just wanted to scream. And I got out those double doors and what came to my mind was, do not lean on your own understanding. but in all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your path. He goes, that was not what I was anticipating. It was not what I was thinking, but it's what filled my heart. That's God. That's one light shining another light, shining another light, and then God becoming the light for Taylor. So it's hard sometimes, but if we're ready and if we know the word and if we take the chance, things happen. The second thing that hinders us from reflecting the light of Jesus is unresolved sin in our lives. And I know it says in 1 John in your notes there, 1 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I'm sure that believers know this, Christians know this, and we do confess our sins. And we, Scripture says, confess your sins one to another. What I'm more concerned about in this situation when we say unresolved sin is sin that we have asked forgiveness for but the enemy keeps bringing it back and using it against you because you know what you don't forget I don't forget we all have sin in our life that is under the blood and no longer can he remember because he tells us he remembers it no more but we remember so every time we go to share Jesus with someone the enemy comes back and says oh you got sin in your life why don't you have any right to talk to them? And, you know, you, you don't have any authority in their life because look at all that's happened. As Christians, we should continually going to God and confessing our sin. But I really believe the enemy keeps beating us up for things that are not even in God's heart anymore. We remember our sin. Then he loves to lie about it. He's trying to remember. He's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. But God came that we would have life and life more abundantly. So he knew our sinful condition. He knew all sin, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. He knew all those things. But he also knew, I set someone to you to fulfill the law that you couldn't fill yourself. See, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. God knew. Just like when he made man in the very beginning, he knew that it only lasted about 2,000 years, and he knew a flood would come. You think he didn't figure this out? You know, God's omniscient, all my powerful. He knew. And so in the same way, God knows. And so I think the answer is going back to God and saying, thank you, Lord. I have sin in my life that if, the, if I allow the enemy to, he will make me ashamed. And he will make me ineffective. And he will make me not want to read your word. And he will make me want to be isolated. I just tell you the truth, I've been there in my life. A time in my life where I wasn't drawn to the Word of God and things hurt and I felt bad and I'd ask for forgiveness, but uh, I couldn't find that breakthrough, that place where I really felt close to God again. I had felt so close to Him for so many years. Now it felt empty and cold. It was horrible. But the one thing that happened, because I had hid His Word in my heart, that He kept bringing it back to me. You can't leave your own head. You can leave your Bible at home. You can put it away. You can say you don't want to read it. The Holy Spirit just keeps knock, knock, knock. And he sees telling me things that were already in my head, and he brings them back in the order he wants to bring them back in. And he had, man, he, I had these conversations with God that were just incredible. And it was all in my heart, in my mind. So this is the thing. The, God wants you to be free. 
God wants you to get beyond this because he remembers our sin no more. Hebrews 10 tells us, their sin and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Thank the Lord. But you know, let, you, let your past sin that's under the blood, let it become part of the compassion. Let it become part of the understanding, what makes you identify with other sinners. Because really, coming to Jesus is just one sinner leading another sinner to the Savior. It's not one holy man that's walked a pure life. You know, I, only one person did that. He dead and rose again. Unless you fit, it doesn't work. You know. And so what people in the world really want to see is, Scott knows he's a sinner. Scott's had some major struggles in his life. Maybe Scott's even thought about taking his own life. I can identify with Scott. Lives change. That's really what the enemy wants to take all that away. God wants to empower us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things, not just some, not just things we can handle, but all things become new. Lastly, I want us to look at uh, the third thing, and this is where we come to the world, is this. We make better choices. Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is where the power comes from. In fact, and when it comes to sharing the Lord with people, we have this... Uh, Pastor Brad, I tell you, I work at Cabela's, and a lot of employees that work for us, and we have this 10-foot rule. If you get within 10 feet of a customer, you have to say, welcome to Cabela's, because there's something I can help you with. If we would apply that in our life, oh, that guy looks like he's looking at me. I'm going to walk over here. Yeah. Oh, they're coming to shake my hand. Hi, how are you? To your wife. You know, I... You know, sometimes we, we try to avoid situations, but we have a seek to understand with employees because we have, we have actually cameras and we have an AP guy that follows employees around <laughs> and customers if they're not doing what they shouldn't be doing. Um, but, and if that happens enough time, we have a seek to understand. So you walk by eight or nine the customers and uh, we need to find out why you're not saying hi, why you're not talking to them. Well, we do have a huge camera that is thousands and millions of feet above us and God's going I sent that person right in front of you that person was hurting and four other lights shined on them and I, I made sure that you guys are in the right place at the right time to have this conversation we need to be the light that combines together to show the brilliance of God's love his compassion his understanding we don't want you don't want to miss out on what God is doing so make better choices God has given us the power. And you know, this is like, God's the dimmer switch. You can't choose one day to just shine the light in someone's face that you're frustrated with and say, take that. You know, on the other side is you don't want to dim it because you know, I don't want you not to like me and I don't want you to be offended by what, I'm gonna dim this light really low. And so uh, when we walk away from here, I'll look just like you and you'll feel comfortable. Let the Holy Spirit control the level of light that shines. We just need to be the same, yielded to God. So here's some power tips. Leave the control in God's hands. If we really feel like saying something, maybe we shouldn't. I've had this lecture before. Oh, if you really feel like saying it, then maybe you better not. And then I've used the other side of it that says, if you really don't want to say it and you don't feel it, maybe you probably should say it. 
I mean, that's worked actually better for me than just, you know, giving someone a piece of my mind, which I can't afford to lose. You know, so I, I just, I've come to understand that slowing down, leaving it in God's hands is better. And second is think of others first. Consider their needs above your own. This will have you do the hard thing when you're uncomfortable because now you're thinking about them. Philippians 2, 3 says, consider others as more important than yourself. You know, when I uh, originally filled out my applications um, and I had to take an extensive application interview process as becoming an assistant general manager, and they ask you all kinds of things. They give you a, a, like a psych test and you know, it's amazing because I had a meeting with the national guy afterwards and he was asking me about some of the ways I understood these questions. He goes, tell me your leadership style and it was a longer story, but I said it's really all about servanthood leadership. You all know where I was going with that. But he's going, well, we sort of have the same approach. And then he asked me about how we, how we interact with employees and raise up new leaders. And I said, it really, it really is about setting the example and to consider others as more important than yourself and to treat them like you would like to be treated and to affirm and encourage them rather than being the dominant leader and, and making them feel embarrassed. So through all the, finally this one guy goes, um, do you have like a belief system or something? And I said, yeah, the things I was just telling you are all actually in the word of God. I don't give you addresses because I just don't want to be that offensive. But the processes all work. And he goes, well, I agree. And so the things I do as many times in a meeting, I won't say, well, it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. I won't do that, but I will say when they're asking a question, they will come right out and ask me, Scott, what do you think? And I will paraphrase God's word. And that sounds really good. And some, later someone will go, was that in the word? Did you give us out of the Bible? <laughs> That's where the answers are. Sorry. Be patient. Romans 12, 18 says, as far as possible with you, be at peace with all men. Man, I have used this in my life so often. When someone really makes me upset or I can't make it right, or I've done something to offend someone else, as far as it's possible with me, be at peace with all men. If you feel like you need to go say something to someone and apologize, ask them to forgive you, do it. If you feel like they need to come to you, then you don't leave that in the hands of the Lord. Pray. Give it to God. Be compassionate. Remember, everyone is made by God and are loved by Him, whether we're saved or unsaved. Like I said, it's just one sinner leading another sinner to the Savior. Treat others the same way you want to be treated. In closing, my last point is make ourselves available and vulnerable. The other day in the office, I had uh, one of the managers, he was the uh, marketing manager. And you got to remember, there's like three offices and about, I've never counted, but 20 desks for the managers and leads. And this guy comes through and he says, hey, Scott, do you know that Jesus, Jesus is interruptible? I went, incorruptible? No, interruptible. And we started talking about other things. And I sat at my desk afterwards thinking, how many people heard that? You know, four or five leads, two managers upstairs or hearing that. And then I thought, in my own life, am I interruptible? All things are going on. All things I need to do as a businessman, as a Christian, you know, am I interruptible? But when we become interrupted, then become available and vulnerable. And that's what people want. In fact, when life hurts, the world will come to us. Taylor, Paige, and Amy... Bruce, the people in my life that when it, when it gets really hurting, when, when they get to the, they don't have the answers, when their relationships are broken, 
when their finances crumble, when they face things they can't control, they'll come to you. Even the last illustration is this, that I have a, another manager who was in Post Falls store managing. His name's Pete. Pete had a terminal illness and he was struggling and with the pain and everything, so he decided to take his own life. They called in counselors. They called in three counselors to sit in separate conference rooms and allow our employees to deal with the grief counseling. Those offices had no one in them. But people were coming to me, and these were people that may not even talk to me or maybe even talk bad about me behind my back, but they came to me and go, is there life after death? Where do you think Pete is? And is there a heaven? And is there a hell? I mean, it is amazing when people hurt, no matter how much they opposed you or ignored you or acted like you weren't there, when it gets to the end and they don't have answers, they will come to you. So I just want us to know when we're really the light, when we really allow God to do all that he wants to do, God, the Holy Spirit, will bring them to you. Remember I said a little bit ago, I brought them here and you walked right by. All these little lights shine and you let, when we're doing it the right way and we're understanding God, when, they, when people hurt, God will bring them to you and the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word is alive and passionate in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, that you're always faithful when we come to you and ask you to forgive us, that you do. I pray help each one of us now to understand the fullness and the power there is in your forgiveness. The blood that was shed by Jesus on our behalf that gave us the freedom to have eternal life in you. And Lord, empower that then to give us boldness to make a stand for you. To never let an opportunity go by, Lord, where we don't speak the truth with love, compassion, and hope. Because that's what the world needs. They don't need one more lie or one more convincing speech or they need love, hope, and understanding, something they can hang on to. So Holy Spirit, come, do whatever you want inside of us. Let us be the light that shines on men that changes their life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. We are located at 1415 Northeast 223rd Avenue in Fairview, Oregon. You can find us online at www.anthemfamily.org and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at My Anthem Family. God bless.